But yeah, so we, I think it was October time, the pastors of Riverside churches got together and we just, we, we usually have like two retreats a year and we just spend time together and we share how the year has been, how 2020 had been for all of us. And we spend time praying and praying for God's direction for 2021. And, and this verse in Isaiah really came to our hearts and we decided this is the theme. This is what we want to pray over the churches in the year of 2021, rise and shine. And so Reuben introduced this theme last week, and he started with the verse Isaiah 60, 1 through 2. So we're going to read that this morning as well. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. And Reuben gave us some context to this verse of Isaiah 60, and he went back to Isaiah 59, where the prophet is describing what he's going through. He's describing this, this darkness that the people of Israel are going through, and, and by darkness, he explains that they feel oppressed, and they don't have freedom, and, and there's unrighteousness everywhere, and there's corruption, and bad leaders, and, and, and lies, and all sorts of immorality all over the streets, and, and the prophet and the people are just asking and begging God to do something. Have you ever been in the dark when it's not meant to be dark? You start to feel a little anxious. I mean, if you're human, you start to feel a little uneasy in the dark. You start to feel maybe even a little bit afraid. That's why I don't watch scary movies at home and at the night because I can be in the comfort of my own home, but if the lights go off and I just watch a scary movie, it's like I'm in a tropical jungle and there's snakes everywhere. Keep in mind that I have, uh, have a few huge, huge phobia of snakes. So just the thought that there are snakes in my home um, just takes my sleep away. So in the darkness, we just feel vulnerable. We feel like we don't know what our surroundings are. Anything could be out there. And the probability of us getting hurt increases. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, who's heard of a TV show called C with Jason Momoa? It's Apple TV. Yeah, one person. All right, two people. I don't really recommend it. It's quite heavy, so we didn't get we didn't get too far, Ruben and I. But it's basically a show about uh, there's a huge virus, and because of this virus, uh, society has lost their ability to see. And so it's really interesting how society is able to still kind of flourish by uh, increasing their other senses like touch and and smell and just by hearing they can see so many things but the whole show because society and civilization has lost their ability to see they are so scared all the time they're in the dark and so they're so anxious all the time and they're so vulnerable and they they get hurt with the most preventable things and so as we as we read of Isaiah 59 and as we saw him describe what darkness was like to him we started to relate to that context a little bit. <laughs> I mean, we have just come from 2020, and, and if we thought 2021 was going to get better, man, no, I, I disagree with Dina. 2021 is going to get better. Things are going to get better. The vaccine is coming out. How exciting is that? We don't know how long the immunity lasts. We don't know how many people it's going to get out to. Maybe African countries are going to get the vaccine in the year 3030, but things are going to get better um, maybe don't look at the persecution in the Middle East. Maybe don't look at what's happening in the U.S. right now. Uh, don't look at all the poverty and sickness in Africa. 
don't definitely look at the corruption in Europe. Maybe don't look too far outside of like here and things are going to get better. <laughs> we live in a dark world. And by darkness, I mean we live in a hurting world. We live in a world where people are anxious and they're fearful. And because of that, they get hurt. But despite everything, Isaiah 60, after he describes all of that darkness, Isaiah 60 tells us to rise and to shine because our light has come. Now, I don't want to preach Reuben's message all over again. If you were here last week, you heard a lot of this already. But I do want to unpack it. I want to explore what it means to rise in the darkness and to shine. What is this darkness and this light that we keep talking about? And if this is the annual theme for Riverside Church, if this is our prayer over you and over our lives in 2021, then how do we apply it to our everyday rise and shine? And this morning, God gave me kind of an interesting connection, so I need you to work with me. We're going to turn to John chapter 11 to try to understand something that was spoken 600 years before Jesus. So to understand a prophecy that was given by Isaiah 60, we're going to turn to when Jesus was maybe 30, 31, 32 years old. And we're going to look at a story of a family. And that's just, that's the beauty of the Bible. That's the beauty of how divinely woven together it is. If nothing else can convince you of the truth, just give it a try and open the Bible and it'll speak for itself. It is so divinely woven together and that's what we're going to see today. We're looking at the story of a family. And we don't know many more family members. We only know that there's two sisters and a brother. Their names are Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that they were close friends of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 11, verse 5, it says that Jesus loved them. It makes a specific point to say this one sentence, Jesus loves them. And apart from the disciples, Jesus didn't have very many close friends. At least not many that we know of. And so this family, they're special. They lived in a town called Bethany, and so pretty much every time that Jesus would pass by Judea, he probably stayed at their house. We know that Jesus would go from town to town preaching and teaching and healing and doing all kinds of amazing stuff. And when he would go through Judea, he would stay with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And they would hang out, and they would have meals together, and they would catch up on life, and, and they would just spend some time together. And then eventually Jesus would be on his way again, fulfilling his ministry somewhere else. And so the first time that we read of this family is in Luke chapter 10. And here, here, excuse me, <coughs> here everything is fine. Jesus is at their house, and we read that um, they're basically just having dinner together. And things are fine, life is normal, life is smooth sailing. And then we read of this family again in the book of John. And all of a sudden, things are not fine. John chapter 11 starts in a pretty grim way. It says in verse 1, and then Lazarus became sick. Now, in the context of Scripture, we don't really know what the sickness was. We don't know exactly what the illness was. But we can understand that it was sudden. 
and that he got sick and he and things just started to escalate and he just started to get worse and worse so much that his sisters they they don't know what else to do and so they send out a message to Jesus by now he was about a day's walk away from Bethany and they send out a message and they say do something it says in John chapter 11 verse 3 so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Everything was fine. And then suddenly it wasn't. Isn't that how it usually goes? <laughs> Everything is fine and then suddenly. I mean, one moment you're healthy, one moment you're alive and breathing and everything is fine so much that you take your health for granted and then suddenly you're sick. Everything is fine. Your career is taking off. You have a stable income. You have a stable job. And then all of a sudden, you don't. And we don't usually tend to deal very well with suddenlies. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about COVID-19 for a second. February, January, February 2020, we were going to concerts and football games and hanging out with how many, how many friends we wanted, wherever, whenever. And then suddenly, things just changed so radically. I mean, who could have imagined that our lives would be transformed in the way that they were in March 2020, at least here in Portugal? I mean, masks were things that doctors and nurses were paid to use in hospitals. I don't think I had ever worn a mask between, before March 2020. But then suddenly, suddenly things change. And so these two sisters, they send word to Jesus and they say, God, everything was fine, Jesus. And then suddenly it wasn't. Nothing's fine. Our brother is not fine. Come back to Bethany and do something. I mean, they knew who Jesus was. Jesus was a healer. Jesus was powerful. They believed that he was the Messiah. He just needed to come back to Judea and do something. And in the midst of an extremely urgent situation, this is how Jesus responded. Angela, if you'll read. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. All right, did I mention how urgent the situation was? I mean, Lazarus suddenly got sick and things were not looking good. I'd expect Jesus, who loved them, to drop everything and run back to Bethany. Instead, he decides to stay two more days where he was, knowing that he still had a day's walk to reach them. We'll talk about God's timing a little later. <laughs> but despite how seemingly unaware of the urgency Jesus was, he responds to the situation, and I love how he responds. He responds with a promise and a purpose. With a promise and a purpose. And this is where we start to see the, the connection. Here's the promise. Lazarus is not going to die. Jesus responds to their, to their biggest fear. 
Right now, the worst case scenario is that Lazarus dies and Jesus responds to that. He takes that right out of the picture and he says, listen, the promise is he's not going to die. This is not the sickness. It's not going to end in death. And then he gives them a purpose. He tells the disciples, and I hope that they relay this message back to Mary and Martha, but he tells the disciples there's a purpose. This has happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And this is where we see the connection between John chapter 11 and Isaiah chapter 60. We start to understand a little bit what what Isaiah means by light in the darkness, light in hopeless situations, light in urgent and sad situations. We start to understand that perhaps by light he means promise and purpose. As we step into a new year, no matter what it looks like, and I want to tell you, no matter what direction the world is taking, no matter what our lives are going to look like this year, we, the church, have been given a promise and a purpose that allows us to rise and to shine. First, we have been given a promise. A promise that strengthens us. A promise that takes us out of the pit, that allows us to rise up, that allows us to have peace and to have joy, even right in the midst of the storm, right in the midst of unemployment, right in the midst of need. It allows us to rise up, even when you can't see your surroundings, even when the future is unknown, even when the suddenlies are everywhere. And this is what God has promised you. Ready? God has promised us that he is with us. Just these four words. God is with us. That's the promise. That's the promise that strengthens us. That's the promise that gives us everything we need to get up in confidence and in peace and full of hope and full of joy. It says in Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I want you to internalize how big of a promise this is. Dina, this says, be strong and courageous. Leanne, this says, do not be afraid. Arash, this says, this verse, this promise is for you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, church. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now we need to understand who is the God that is making this promise. This isn't some wooden statue that doesn't respond. This God that we're speaking, he's not some mystical, abstract, spiritual idea that is disconnected with our everyday. No, this is God who we are speaking of. This is God, El Shaddai, who is the all-sufficient one, who has everything in him, who is truly good, who his essence is everything that you and I could ever need. He is the creator of the universe. He is the all-powerful one. He is Elohim. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who is absolutely able to provide. And so when you are in need, this is the God who says, don't worry, I am with you. This is Jehovah Rapha. This is the God who is able to heal. The God who knows no limitations, who knows no borders. This is, this is the God of all the universe. This is the God that Psalm 139 describes as being the God who knows you by name. Who created you. Who knows every detail about you and who cares so deeply for you. This is the God who promises us, I will be with you. And so because of this promise, 
we are able to arise. See, looking back at, at my life, I've had some pretty difficult moments where maybe I felt alone where things happen and maybe you can look back at your life. Not maybe, I'm sure. <laughs> you can look back at your life and think of some pretty difficult moments as well. Moments where life seems unfair, where things were fine and then suddenly they weren't. Moments of darkness, where your heart and your soul were tired and they were hurt and hopeless maybe. And that's all that darkness is. It's everything that is opposite from the nature of God. You see, we live in a world where the devil exists. Can I, can I say that in church today? <laughs> it's kind of taboo, but we got to say it. The devil exists. He's real. And because of that, a world, we live in a world that is prone to sin. We live in a world that is, is constantly moving away from God. And as they move away from God, it moves away from the nature of God and all that is good. And so we are bound to face difficulty. We are bound to face trials and hardships of all kinds. Even being Christians, even being Christ followers, we face hardship. Remember this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? They were close friends of Jesus. And still they were not spared from suffering. I remember a few years ago, I was caught by surprise by a huge suddenly in my life. I was very hurt by a very close friend. And, and I was so sad and so disappointed. But more than my sadness and my disappointment that I felt towards that person, man, I was angry at God for allowing it. I mean, here I was, a Christian. I'm trying my best to live a righteous life. I'm serving in church. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to please God. Meanwhile, he's watching everything and just allows me to get hurt. I was angry. And this is really what Mary and Martha felt. The Bible says that by the time that Jesus gets back to Judea, that Lazarus had already died. And so when Jesus arrives in the town, it says that Martha goes out to meet him. Mary doesn't even bother. She stays home. And this is what Martha says to Jesus. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. In other words, Jesus, you could have spared us. She's sad, but really her words are diluted in blame. Jesus, why weren't you here? Jesus, why didn't you come? You're all powerful. You're, you're, you're the Messiah. I've seen you heal the blind. I've, he, I've seen you heal the sick. You could have come. You should have come. Jesus should have spared them from the illness. He should have spared them from that tragic situation. Man, I remember I was angry at God for having to go through that hardship. I mean, my parents are pastors, my grandma's a pastor, my great-grandpa was a pastor. If there's a family that's friends of God, I think mine qualifies. <laughs> and yet, God allowed it. God allowed me to get hurt. You see, we misunderstand the promise. Jesus does not say that we won't face trouble. In fact, he says the opposite. In John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
From the moment that sin entered the world and we decided and mankind decided to walk away from God, the devil took over again. He exists. But here's the intro to the real promise. Here's the introduction to the real promise that we cling to. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, the thief the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But me, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, he stepped into this hurting world, into this dark world. He stepped into this, this messed up world full of 2020s and worse. And he himself was not spared of suffering. He was beaten and he was betrayed and he was lied to and he was bruised for our sake. And on the cross, on the cross, that's where he overcame sin. And three days later, he rose and he overcame death. He has overcome our biggest fears and he is with us. Emmanuel, that's his name, God with us. And so we are never alone. That is the promise. That the one who has overcome, that the one who has power over death itself, the one who has overcome anything that you and I can face, he is with us. And so concerning those moments that you and I have all lived through, you can turn to Romans 5.8. And even in those moments where you felt alone, even in the darkest moments where maybe you even rejected God. He says, I loved you at your darkest. I was there. I've always been there and I will always be there. And looking into 2021, we can rise in the promise of Isaiah 30, 21, where God says, remember, I will be with you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Church, we are called to rise. Rise because our God has promised that he is with us. No matter how crazy things look, we don't have to be defeated by the news we don't have to feel depressed or desperate like everybody else around us. We can rise because we know our God is with us. Man, I look at the, this coming year and I'm excited. I'm excited at, at what we're going to do this year. I look at the Lisbon Project and, and maybe the budget looks hopeless. <laughs> and maybe other people will look at the budget and they say, well, you're not going anywhere far, anywhere fast. But man, I, I know the God who is with me. I know the God who doesn't care. He couldn't care less about our budget. I know the God who has all the resources in the world. And I think, man, the projects we're going to achieve. Man, the people that we're going to impact. I look at this church and some people could say they could look at our building or they could look at our worship team or, or even our pastors and our preachers and think, well, you're, uh, you're not really going to achieve too much. But I think of the God who is with us. The God who opened the Red Seas. The God who multiplies food for 5,000. I think of that God. And if he is with me, if he has promised to be with me, man, there is nothing that can stop us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? This is the faith that we are called to, church. Because of this promise. This simple promise. I am with you. And shine. Because we have been given a purpose. It's actually the same purpose that Jesus gives Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He says, this has happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God 
will receive glory from this. There's a reason why God was allowing all that to happen to this family. Isn't that the first question we always ask? Why? Why, God? Why me? Why now? Why this? Well, let me give you the answer that you've all been looking for. For this has happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Maybe it's not the answer that you are looking for, and I tell you it's many times not the answer that I want to hear. <laughs> but next time that you ask yourself the why question, this is it. For the glory of God. But what does that mean, though? What does that mean when God allows things to happen to us? When God allows something like this to happen to Lazarus and Martha and Mary, when he allows them to go, to go through something so difficult as death itself, what does it mean for the glory of God? It means that in a world filled with darkness, where God is not known by people, where their eyes are close to God and they're constantly moving away from him, where they, they, they deny that God exists and they reject that he loves them. It means this has happened for God to be glorified. In other words, that there may be light, that people's eyes may be opened and that they may see God for who he truly is, that they may step away from the direction that they were taking and they may turn to God because they realize how much he loves them. That God may be glorified. It means in every situation, whatever you are going through, that God may be made visible through your life, through your trial, through your faith. You see, when the lights turn on, you can finally see. And truth is finally visible. There is freedom from fear. And there's no longer a need for anxiety. That's what it means for God to be glorified for people's eyes to be open and for them to see that he is the light that conquers all darkness. You see, Jesus arrives four days too late. Lazarus had already died. And according to Mary and Martha, he had missed his chance to heal Lazarus. And yet I think that Jesus was perfectly aware of his timing. In fact, when he tells the disciples it's time to go back to Bethany, this is what he says. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus knew. Jesus was aware of the situation. Other than what it made, sounded like, Jesus was aware of the urgency. He tells the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so Jesus arrives in Bethany and everyone is devastated. The Bible says that Mary and Martha, they, they couldn't hold back the tears. And actually, the Bible says that when Jesus sees them cry, he starts to cry too. Despite knowing how the story would end, Jesus cries. You see, that indicates to me that we have a God who is a God of compassion. A God who hates to see us suffer. A God who hates to see the injustice. More than what you hate to see injustice around you. More than what you hate betrayal and, and everything that is dark in this world. God hates it more. He hates to see you and I go through trial and suffer and be hurt. God is a God of compassion. Don't ever believe the devil's lie that just because you are going through something, somehow that indicates that God does not care. It is not true. 
God cares deeply about you. And the Bible says that his heart is moved every time that we cry out to him. Mary and Martha thought that he was too late. And he was. People say, God is never late. No, he's late. Lazarus was dead for four days. But no matter what the timing, no matter how late it seems that Jesus is, that has no impact on his promise, and his timing will only ever enhance his purpose. This is what happens in the story. Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb where Lazarus was. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? In other words, if you believe, if you have faith, your eyes will be opened and you will see God for who he truly is. You will see that he is more powerful than you thought. You will see that he is more loving than you thought. Just have faith. Just believe. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Whoa. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine all of the people there? Jesus doesn't just have the power to heal the sick. Jesus has the power over death itself. He raises Lazarus from the dead. Four days after he had died, it was no coincidence. He hadn't just fallen asleep. No, he was dead in a grave. Jesus had the power over death itself. If anyone had any doubts that Jesus was the Son of God, They've just seen that he has power. They've just seen that he is the son of God. Now let's talk about God's timing. Jesus arrives after Lazarus' illness had resulted in leaving his body. Jesus arrives after the professional mourners had already mourned the death. That's one profession I'll never understand. <laughs> Who cries for a living for other people's pain? I mean, it's, it's weird. I don't know if some, some cultures still have it, but... Jesus arrives after they had already prepared the body for burial and wrapped it in grave clothes. Jesus arrives after the Jews had already legally pronounced him dead. Jesus arrives after his body had turned cold and already begun to stink. In everyone's perception, including those who said they believed in Jesus, death was the end point. Not even Jesus could, could beat that kind of darkness. But remember the purpose. Remember what Jesus says when they first tell him that Lazarus is sick for the glory of God. You see, Jesus arrived late so that when he did the impossible, people would finally see that his light conquers all darkness, that he is the God of the impossible. He is the God who has no bounds. He is the God who can do anything, anywhere, with whomever. He is the God of the universe who can heal, who can raise even the dead. He is the God of love. 
John 11.45 says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. God's name glorified. The Bible says the people who were there, they saw what had happened and they believed in him. Their eyes were unveiled from darkness. They saw the light. They could finally see Jesus for who he truly was and they turned to him. You see, that's all that God ever wants is for people to turn, for people to repent of their sin, for people not to be conformed to the pattern of this world and to turn to him and see him for who he truly is and see ourselves for who we truly are in him, being created by a loving father. That his people may choose love and that his people may choose to be loved by him. Arise and shine because you have been given a purpose. We've been given a purpose to surrender our lives so that God may be made visible in and through every situation of our everyday. That others may see who he is through our lives. And so can I submit to you in 2021 that maybe it's when it's too late for the doctors that is the perfect timing for God. That maybe and it's when it's too late for you to start a career that is the perfect timing for God. Maybe it's when you can't have children anymore because you're too old or because your condition doesn't allow it. That is the perfect timing for God. That his name may be glorified. Maybe it's when you've exhausted all of your options. When there's no way out. When there's no humanly possible way to fix this situation. That it is the perfect timing for God. That his name may be glorified. And that people won't just see you, but they will see God in you. I want people to see God in my life. I don't, I, I, some people, sometimes people say, Gabby, but, but you're young and it doesn't make sense what you have achieved with your age. And I don't say that to boast, but I say that because it's the perfect time for me to say, I don't, I don't know either. It's the God that I serve. It's the God who called me. It's the God who opens the way ahead of me. And may I pray for you as well, that in 2021, no matter what things look like, that God's name may be glorified in your life. Whether it's through your victories and the ways that you can celebrate your achievements, or whether it's through the trial and the way that people see the peace and the joy in you that is constant. Because you have been placed on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm excited for 2021. I don't want to be depressed by it. I don't want to be scared of it. I'm excited because our God is with us and he is moving and he is at work. He is at work and people may turn to him. They may turn from their sinful ways and they may say, God, I finally see you for who you truly are. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. We are called to arise and shine. And as I close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Arise. Arise in the promise that no matter how dark things look, our light has come. Our God is with us and we are never alone. You don't have to be influenced by the circumstance. 
You don't have to be influenced by how many resources you have or don't have. You don't have to be influenced by, by your relationships and the status of your relationship. You don't have to be influenced by whatever is happening around you. You can rise because your God is with you. You can rise in His power, in His strength, in His love. When I don't have what it takes, I can rise in the God that is with me. Arise, church. And shine. Shine because you have been given a purpose of glorifying God. That is what you are here for. To glorify the one who has created you. Shout his love to the people around you. And sometimes, just as in this situation, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just as it was in this situation... People had to see Lazarus come from the dead to glorify God. I don't know what's happening in your life, but maybe people have to see that to glorify God. To know that he is, in fact, the Son of God. And last week, we've, in the past weeks, we've, we've heard different testimonies of things that God has done in your lives. And in 2021, I am looking forward to hearing more. I'm looking forward to hearing what God does in your life so that together we may glorify him, that God may be made visible in your life. I want you to leave this church today feeling joyful and confident and hopeful and excited because our God is alive and he is not conditioned by the news. Our God is good. He is with us. And we live to glorify him. Can you imagine what Lazarus' life must have been like after? <laughs> imagine. Jesus raised him from the dead. Imagine the kind of life that he lived. Imagine his love for Jesus after that. We don't hear much of Lazarus after this, but in the next chapter, John chapter 12, we hear of his sister Mary. The Bible says that, that Jesus goes over for dinner again and she takes the most precious perfume that she has, was a year's wages worth, and she pours it at the feet of Jesus, not even on his head or his shoulders. She pours the most precious thing that she has at his feet because she has seen the light. She has understood how great God is and how undeserving and how small she is. When things went bad, she blamed Jesus. Remember that? And still he loved her. And still he, he saved her brother. And so she understands this deep and unconditional love. And she places her life at his feet. May that be our attitude. Jesus, take it all. Do whatever you want to do. Whenever you want to do. And even when it's hard. Because it's difficult to go through trial. I don't have to ask the why question. It's for your glory, God. Just be glorified. Whatever happens, just be glorified. Here I am. Send me. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to worship. We're going to worship together and we're going to ask God to make us aware, as Angela said. We don't have to pray, God, get closer or help me get closer. Just pray, God, make me aware of your presence. 
Make me aware of your promise every day when I wake up and go to work. Help me be aware of this promise and aware of your presence. Give me strength to rise and use my every situation to be made visible that people may know your name. Amen.